All right, we're back. We are back. We're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk Florida, which is. Uh, I think it's kind of exciting because we're gonna get to talk about a game. Yeah. Oh man, this off season felt like uh, so long, and it's uh, yeah, it's crazy to think that we're less than a week away, and uh, it's not even like we have to try to um, uh, fiend some interest against Antelope Valley State or something. It's uh, you know we get to talk about a big, big time matchup against a really good team. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say a team that probably should have made the Final Four, um, but. Or at least, at least decided to stop playing with 15 seconds left in the Elite Eight. <laughs> Reasons that no one will ever understand, except for maybe Leonard Hamilton. Well, it sounds like even Leonard Hamilton didn't understand uh, when they asked him about it. So I would say nobody understood. That's right. He. That's right. I forgot about the Dick Dickinson interview. Where he he did. He seemed so confused. I I, I just I don't know why I saw it. someone just like randomly retweeted that. Um, the other day and I watched the interview and I forgot just how like truly apathetic he was. Like it wasn't even like, like you'd think maybe he would even get mad about the question. Like, uh, but he was just literally just so like, he just, he didn't care. Le- he couldn't have cared less about it. He was, just was very apathetic towards the entire ending of the game. And um, yeah, it was truly just baffling. Yeah. That was so weird. Speaking <laughs> of being of weird, cause I, you know, Okay two things that are weird about this game to me that stand out. And I'm going to let uh, Eric, who, who's written about this game already at Gator country and, and y'all go check that piece out from a couple weeks ago. But, but one thing that's weird to me is just, this is a team that's now, I saw um, John Rothstein even had him in the top 15 on his ballot. Um, they lose Jonathan Isaac, they lose Dwayne Bacon, they lose, Xavier Athen Mays, CJ Walker transferred. That's four of the five starters. So when everybody says, oh, they got a lot of pieces back, that's kind of true. Um, except that the sixth man is out for what, six to eight weeks. That was Phil Kofer. So the only starter back is Terrence Mann. It's the only guy back from their rotation, the one to six. So it's oh, a, yeah. It's a little strange that there's, you know, I, I mean, I get it. Florida State always has dudes. Uh, but, but it's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like people are maybe relying a lot on, on, you know, players like PJ Savoy, uh, and, and, uh, I guess they had a really highly regarded kid, uh, Anthony polite that a lot of people like, uh, Trent Forrest is back. He's a pretty good player. And is that, what, what's your kind of big picture view of Florida State? Yeah, I mean, I guess I just wonder if they got the uh, kind of the NCAA tournament bump. Um, but it's crazy, too, because even like uh, Ken Palm came out with his preseason rankings in their 15th, and uh, it, which just kind of goes along with the way that people are pretty, t- pretty high on them. And um, that, that is pretty interesting. I mean, they're, they're actually a team, honestly, that I was actually kind of expecting to be. Uh, I actually thought they'd be a little bit underrated and I kind of expected to uh, to be going into this kind of explaining to people why, because that's kind of what happened the last last year as well when we played Florida State was, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people that never gave them kind of respect and I was like, oh no, I actually think this team's really good and then uh, now this year when I thought that people might be a little down on them because of all those pieces they lost, suddenly uh, people are really high on them, but uh, like you said, they're uh, they they still kind of they're full of athletes. 
Um, that's been the biggest reason Florida has matched up with them quite poorly. And um, I guess you can kind of trust that they'll defend kind of pretty well. But even if you look at it, I mean, their defense last year was 33rd in the country. The year before that, it was 31st. Um, the year before that, it was 61. So uh, they're a team that I kind of associate with being this ridiculous athletic defensive team. And they're a good defensive team, um, but they're not excellent. And uh, offensively, they haven't been uh, super tight either. So uh, I, I am intrigued at this team for sure, um, but I, I feel like they're not as strong as they were last year. Yeah, I, that's what I, I was going to ask like, two specific questions. The first is, who's the best defender now that, that Xavier Rathen Mays is gone? Um, and, and you know, and, and Jonathan Isaac, just because of his length, I guess, um, was, was kind of but not always invested defensively, right? Like the thing you knew about Rotten Mays was that he could he could get hot as a microwave, and he was always going to be tenacious on the defensive side of the ball. And and so I kind of wonder about that. You know, I know Terrence Mann is a good defender, but but kind of where do you replace that? And then how do they go about dealing with the loss of Rotten Mays' offense? And 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 certainly. Uh, you know, Phil Kofer wasn't a starter, but he played 30 minutes a game. It's kind of like Igor Kulichov not starting for a little while, right? Right. Yeah, I think for them offensively, it's still going to be all about kind of uh, getting the ball on the glass and getting an offensive rebound. I think an offensive rebound might be some of their best offense. And uh, I think that, um, again, Terrence Mann, uh, watching him play play the Gators last year, he could just – uh, he could get he's so big on the perimeter that he could just kind of get his shoulder past the defender and then shield the ball and get all the way to the hoop. And I just that was that was kind of the he really picked on that matchup with uh, with Jalen Hudson or uh, Kulichov was on him for a little bit. And uh, I think he'll be able to kind of get offense out of out of nowhere. Uh, but as as a team, I think it might be like, hey, is, is Christ Kamaji um, is all seven foot four of him healthy because let's just get it on the glass and let him. Uh, let them go to work. Uh, but yeah, how they, uh, how they kind of scheme and, and play offensively. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to watch and find out the, um, they, they lose Obiaju transferred to Seton hall. Another guy that transferred. Um, but, but I don't know where he finds these kids. They've got a new, a new six foot 10, you know, space eater. That's gonna basically, uh, play the play the kind of Obiachi role. So I don't know where they find all these guys, but they, I mean, they are big as, as always, um, you know, even Wyatt Wilkes is six, eight. They got a guy named Raquion gray. Who's six, eight, uh, <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's, it's one of those teams that you look at their roster sometimes and you're just like, like, where did you find the seven foot three guy that like no one has heard of. And then you also look at these guys that um, are, are not, really primarily used on their team. And then you look back and they're like the 47th rated recruit in their class. <laughs> like, so I feel like that's just so weird about the way that their teams are constructed where they like, they kind of get some of these top rated guys. Like not, not that they're getting like McDonald's all Americans all the time, but they're, they're getting like top 100 talents, but those aren't the guys that you really like hear about on their team. It's all these just like weird freak athletes that they find out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, one one thing I would, I guess that the idea is that Kubaji or as, as you pointed out is, is that they have enough guys to kind of replace the, the rim protection of, of all of Obiaju in particular and Isaac, but I don't know. To me, I think that the cover injury is, is really, 
I hate to say that when a player is hurt, it's it's extraordinarily helpful for Florida. But you know, Florida playing Florida State with Phil with Phil Cofer is an entirely different proposition. I think I just can't see how their offense necessarily worked, particularly in late shot clock situations until he returned. Yeah, like, like you said, I'm I'm never one to take any joy out of an injury from a player that we're playing, even if it's a rival. I just that's uh, that's not me. Um, but yeah, you yeah. look at it and you wonder, um, like, are they going to be able to score on Florida? Um, you probably think uh, not super well, other than like once again, if they just get a ton of offensive rebounds and second chance points. Uh, and then you look at Florida. Do you think Florida is going to be able to score on them? And you might think like. Well, uh, Jalen Hudson's going to be able to get his shots off against anybody, and uh, Kayvon Allen, he's probably going to get his shots off against uh, against just about anyone because of his explosion. And uh, you start to look at it, and that's uh, it's like, hey, I think uh, I think Florida might have the edge uh, the edge there. Yeah, I mean, and and Kofer is such a good player. Like, I mean, I he got an extra year of eligibility, and and to see this happen is such a shame because they really are kind of a different team with him on the floor i guess a guy that could pick up the slack and will be a really nice test for for florida's kind of point guard combination is is trent forrest yeah trent forrest like just again another guy who was uh yeah six foot five guard um (laughs) he i actually thought he passed the ball really well last year he was uh uh he 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 was kind of the one of the ones too who was just like like they have really tall guys out there all the obvious all the time we talk about it but I feel like he was particularly adept at uh, a kind of defense away from the ball. He uh, he was kind of the guy who would get those pick six kind of steals where he just explode in a passing lane, shoot the ball ahead. Um, he also, it's weird. I didn't think he was that um, uh, that particularly skilled offensively always, but uh, he, yeah, he drew a lot of fouls and just you kind of looked at it and he was always just kind of a consistent, uh, consistently putting up some points and, uh, yeah, that's not a guy you hear talked about a lot, but a, a sneakily really, really good player for them. Yeah, I thought his, he averaged 13 points a game in the NCAA tournament and and six assists, which is pretty remarkable for a guy that isn't necessarily going to command defensive help on the perimeter. So that makes it harder for players to drive by, right? Like as a coach, it's a little easier for your guards to, to go ahead and attack the rim when there's a threat of a perimeter shot, but he's not really – somebody that can do that so he's kind of like a crafty player oh yeah and that's one thing um this isn't really what you just talked but just the way you said ncaa tournament just jogged my memory um i think that um like teams like florida state i think probably don't get the credit that they deserve all the time which i know some people aren't going to want you know to give florida state credit for anything but um uh, just in the way that in the ncaa tournament the, uh, you always see the teams like this that can out athlete you um, kind of win when you're on a short turnaround or you're in a tournament setting where you don't have a lot of time for rest uh, because you just know in a tight tournament, uh, sometimes your shots are not going to fall. And uh, when you're a team like Florida state, who's built on athleticism and uh, transition play and stuff like that, like uh, it doesn't matter if your shots aren't falling because uh, you're used to that. You're used to uh, grinding for second chance points and, uh, not allowing being so good on the defensive glass that the other team can't get second chance points. And I think we saw that in the tournament last year, uh, that there was teams that if you uh, just got so frustrated playing against them because they couldn't rotate the ball because of Florida state's length. And then they chuck up a bad shot and gets just completely devoured by Florida state. And they come down the other end and they get three opportunities on missed shots that they can get their own misses on. And, uh, and just really wears you down. And 
uh, for Florida, they're just going to have to be uh, pretty disciplined in a game like the first game of the season where their shots might not always be falling. Uh, offense might not be super crisp yet, but uh, they can't let Florida State just uh, beat them up because they're better athletes and, and win a game where both team shots aren't falling. What's a matchup you think favors Florida in this game? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. That's a really good question. Because, I, I, my, my, I mean, my initial reaction is, uh, I, I, I mean, I think that Florida's, like, if you were to look at, um, if you were to look at, uh, look at the wing matchup between, like, a Terrence Madden and Jalen Hudson, that's probably, the, like, the best matchup. But do I think it favors Hudson? I, I would say no. And Terrence Madden definitely got the better of that matchup last year. So I think I might have to think he'd, uh, he'd take that kind of matchup this year. And um, probably do I, do, I, do I think even a Kayvon Allen or a, or a freshman Andrew Nemhard in his first game, can I give them the nod? I'm not so sure. So I think um, – I think I'd have to go Keith Stone, and uh, I guess his probable matchup would probably be. Uh, oh, who do you who do you think will be starting at the four for uh, for Florida State? If, just looking up their roster, there could be a few guys. Um, what do you think who's going to start for them at the four? Well, I mean, the, the guy that they've talked about because I asked a couple of people that, and and the guy I've talked about is is uh, that I mentioned earlier is Anthony Polite. He's a oh, okay a six six kind of tweener that I think look if let's be honest if Stone goes out and hits a couple jump shots it's going to be PJ Savoy right um because 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 Leonard trusts him but if it's about size and just ability it's it's going to be it's going to be polite I think it was a really high like MJ Walker's five-star kid Right. Well, I think that's going to be the matchup you like for, uh, I would say that I like the most for Florida, just based on the fact that I'm not sure that uh, I could see Kayvon Allen or, or Jalen Hudson kind of dominating their matchup, but uh, probably Kayvon Allen more than, uh, more than Jalen Hudson, just because I think that Jalen Hudson and Terrence Mann is going to be, is going to be the matchup there. Um, so yeah, I, I'll think I'll go stone in this one. Yeah, I like it. I, I was actually going to go, uh, I was going to go cave on Allen against MJ Forrest. Um, just, you know, I don't want to say on a hunch. Here's the thing about MJ Walker. And I, I kind of looked at his, I game blogged him a little bit uh, to talk about this. And he's a guy that, you know, five, like I said, a five-star kid was kind of thought of as a snub on the McDonald's All-American list in a, in a similar manner to Nimhard, right? Um, and his minutes just decreased last year. He he through through non-conference play played about twenty minutes a night, got down to nine minutes a game in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, there he's he's a guy that's on a lot of breakout list. But the reason that his minutes decreased is because you know everybody knows Leonard Hamilton just demands that you defend. And Kayvon Allen's had some success against players who aren't particularly invested defensively. Right, hey, that's a good, that's uh, that's some good work you put in there, and I could see, uh, I could see that happening for sure. And that would be a uh, if if Kayvon Allen went out and had a great night on night one of the season, I think that would make a lot of Gator fans very happy and uh, uh, quite, uh, yeah, maybe if there's any nerves about him, maybe not taking a big step, uh, that would really help to uh, to make people uh, confident. No doubt. Any, um, you know, I'm not gonna. What's 
anything to take away from from what we're able to learn about the the exhibition last night? It's just so hard to know kind of what to take from those games. Yeah, I I I think that um, I, I'm probably even on the side that I. I care more about the preseason exhibitions than more other people uh even just like around the world of college basketball and i think the big thing for florida is just that uh that their offense seemed to be crisp uh if you look at all their reactions from coach white um uh, or even just kind of the people that were there talking about it a lot of it was uh, a lot of the talk was that the defense didn't look very good and uh the fact of the matter and it's something that you and me have discussed uh, I think Mike White has proven that he'll take any group of players and make them a good defensive team. Um, the way that he got the team last year into the top 25 defensively, uh, I think is really impressive. I think this team has more tools. So if he got that team to be in the top 25 defensively, um, I, I would say it's fair to think this team will at least get to that level. So though it's too bad that they gave up a bunch of points to a, to a Division II team or uh, that, that one player kind of went off for 25, uh, I, I actually have confidence that by the time the by the time conference play rolls around or postseason play comes around, I do think this team is going to defend. And last year, I think that there was more problems offensively than defensively. And it looks like uh, on offense, there was a lot of weapons. Um, the things were kind of running smoothly. And there was uh, a lot of shots falling from a lot of guys. So uh, I kind of see that as an encouragement. Let's talk about the, the piece you wrote. And, and we'll wrap with this. Um but but what let's talk about the piece you wrote today at, at Gator Country about Gorjak Gak and you know, a guy that maybe could be uh an X factor against a team like Florida State, right? Where just preventing those those sort of easy second chance is so vital and something Florida struggled with last year. Um you know, talk a little bit about the research you did for that article and, and just why you think he might be kind of an X factor for Florida. I think whenever you see guys that didn't really play a big impact in the prior season and, and you see that they're getting healthier, whatever it is, um, they're kind of considered an X factor because they kind of have a little bit of that, uh, you know, if your team didn't have them last year and they have them this year for more, that it kind of seems like a little bit of found money or maybe there's, you know, there's kind of that element of mystery about their game. Um, but yeah, obviously we know that there wasn't always a lot of production in the front court last year from the Gators and uh, the rebounding was an issue and rebounding against a team like Florida state is probably going to be, uh, is going to play a big role. And I think if you keep Florida state to one shot, a lot of the time, I think you probably like your chances for the Gators to, uh, to be more efficient offensively than Florida state is. And yeah, the kind of therefore win the game. So um, uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, yeah, just looking at Gorjak Yak's number numbers, um, I, I, I was really interested something that uh I'm probably even guilty of too, but I think a lot of people are is just looking at the raw like block shot numbers when looking at someone as a rim protector or even, um, even like going to like Ken Palm and seeing their, their block rate or their block percentage, um, which I blocking shots is great. Um, but uh, I think that even just looking at the, uh, the percentage that people allow at the rim is a lot more, uh, probably a better indicator of how good of a rim protector someone is, as opposed to just their shot blocking numbers. And uh, that was a little bit evidence too, even when I went back um, a little while ago and did my Kavarius Hayes um, piece where uh, I saw his, his shot blocking numbers are great, but he actually allows a really high percentage of shots at the rim. Um, teams are shooting like around 60% on him at the rim, which is above national average. Um, but then you look at Gorjak Yak, whose numbers are, shot blocking numbers are pretty good, um, but teams are shooting below 40% when he's guarding them at the rim. 
And to me, that just shows kind of how impactful he can be. And, and that was a guy that uh, probably didn't have his full kind of leaping ability last year uh, due to injury, due to probably the uh, not being super conditioned because of his injury. And yeah, I mean, if he even stays the same as he takes on more minutes, he'll be an elite rim protector. But if he gets any better, I mean, he could be one of the best in the country. So uh, yeah, in a game of uh, Florida against Florida State, we'll be uh, matching up with a lot of athletes. If uh, if Gak can be uh, can provide some of that length that that matches up well, that could be uh, that could be really helpful. It's interesting that that uh, one thought I and and I'll kind of close my thoughts with this was that you know a couple of teams had some North Carolina in particular had success zoning Florida State last year, and you know. And that was with Rat and Mays, a guy who, like it's like we know, could could really fill it up sometimes. And and without Kofer, I kind of feel like Florida Mike White doesn't do it a lot. But like if Georgia Gak can play ten minutes and Florida can show them some zone and just be like, look, you guys shoot over us. That's kind of a tough gym to shoot in anyway, even for Seminoles sometimes. Uh, it's really it's a big cavernous building, um, kind of an old arena. I don't know. It's an interesting look that, that I think Florida could, could use to these guys. Well, it's actually funny. I actually have an article that's uh, loaded up, ready to be published. Yep. It's about Florida and the zone and uh, just how little Florida has zoned these last few years after uh, Mike White used to play a lot more zone at uh, Louisiana Tech. And, uh, for example, yeah, uh, of, I think Florida – I forgot the exact number, but I think Florida played zone like 3% of the time last year only. And uh, uh, Gak wasn't on the floor for any of it. He was never used in the zone. And I think a lot of times it was because they were using a zone as, uh, hey, we're small. We have Igor at the four and Keystone at the five. Let's zone to uh, kind of make up for the size. Um, where I think this year you could kind of actively zone when it's like, hey, we're going to have uh, Gak in the middle and uh, like Chase Johnson and Keontae Johnson with their length and uh, maybe play Jalen Hudson at the two and have length. Like, uh, I, I think that the team could, I think zone has been probably more of a, uh, oh, we don't like our, what we can put out of healthy bodies. Let's try to cover it up with a zone where I think this year they could really yeah actively zone and say, hey, this works with Andrew Nemhart being a big point guard. Let's play some one, three, one, or let's put Gak in the middle of a two, three. So um, I, I'm a big, I, I love zone. I know that that's not super popular for with a lot of people, especially uh, in the, uh, uh, the coaching realms these days. Uh, there's a lot of people who would rather just be playing man, but um, yeah, I, I would totally support Florida playing more zone this year. And do I think that they'll come out on, with it on day one? Uh, just the history of the last few seasons. I, <laughs> I'm not sure if they will, but I agree with you. I, I think they should. Uh, that should be something they should really consider. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I mean, you get a guy like Keontae Johnson who's that long and athletic, and then you get big interior defender type <laughs> like Gak, who, you know, maybe isn't quite as athletic, but is a pretty good rim protector. And, and suddenly the pieces are in place for that defense to make a little more sense. But. Yeah, and even uh, just not even this matchup, but moving forward, I think that you you probably want to get Isaiah Stokes on the floor at times, but I wonder how he's going to be able to guard. Um, our team's going to put him in pick and roll all the time. Like yeah. that could be that could be really challenging for him. But I mean, if he's playing the middle of a one-three-one zone, one of the zones we've seen White use, uh, he doesn't have to go guard on the perimeter and guard ball screens. Uh, or yeah, or Gak, another guy who's 
uh, can protect the rim pretty well, but doesn't move his feet well in space at all. Uh, that Yeah, put him in the middle of a 1-3-1 or a 2-3, and uh, you don't have to worry about him guarding pick and rolls. Or uh, if Andrew Nemhart is a freshman, is a guy that teams just really just put through screens and screens and screens to uh, try to punish him. Like, yeah, why not go put in a defense where he doesn't have to be fighting through screens all the time? So uh, I, I'm going to predict for those reasons we do see more zone in the than we have in the past. Um, but probably a little bit of that is my like want and desire for them to play zone more than uh, uh, yeah, more than obviously looking at a trend that sees Florida not playing a lot of zone these last few years. All right, so we won't be back until after Florida's game. So, um, you know, what do you think? Think they can break the streak Tuesday night, or or you feel like it might be it's tough sledding? Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose. Um, if I had to pick, I, I think that they win. I think that uh, I think Kofor's injury uh, probably swayed what I think was going to be a really close game uh, that might that I might have picked in Florida State's favor at home. That that maybe swings it to me to uh, to being in Florida's favor. So I do think Florida pulls it out, uh, probably largely because of their their depth and kind of the uh, the unknown new guys that uh, Florida State won't, won't be as prepared for. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I actually probably would have picked Florida State with Phil Kofor just because they're at home. Um... And because, you know, Florida's kind of questions, the unknowns, I think, are in the front court, which is a bizarre thing to say with a true freshman point guard. But (laughs) it's kind of of the where Florida is right now. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know. Florida just finally has bodies that they can roll out. And you kind of have to have those to play Florida State the way that they play. Um, and I don't know who Florida State's go-to scorer is. So I think I think the Gators are going to win a close game. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You know, Florida hasn't shot the ball well against the Citadels in, in years. So a lot of that has to do with Florida State, but maybe Florida will hit some jump shots too. Yeah, I think so. I, um, I think this is going to be a chance for uh... – uh, yeah, like if if Man is their only guy who's really got it going, I think this is a great chance for. Uh, I think it's a great chance for someone like um, for Keontae Johnson to come out and and really just establish himself as a an, an elite perimeter defender, and uh, I think he'll be a he'll be a major difference maker. All right, well, thanks, uh, Eric, for uh, joining us again tonight, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy this this kind of long look at the national basketball landscape and our our Florida, Florida state. So we'll, uh, we'll be back next week and the Gators will, will hopefully be one and oh. All right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, to breaking this one down uh, next week. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Hey everybody. And welcome back to the Florida basketball hour. I'm Neil Blackman. I'm the host uh, tonight. Uh, Eric Fawcett from Gator Country and I are going to preview the season opener, Florida, Florida State. So we finally get to talk about basketball. Uh, It's pretty exciting to get the season underway and see if the Gators can snap a uh, program record four-game losing streak to their rival uh, to the West. Obviously, the Seminoles are coming off an Elite Eight season. Um, They returned some pieces from that team. And uh, it's always tough to go on the road to open the year, and it's especially tough with a with a freshman point guard. But uh, we're going to dive into it, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, please remember to subscribe to our show. 
whether you do it on Apple or Google or Stitcher or Spotify or any of the various streaming services, um, give us a like, give us a review, and subscribe. And thanks uh, again for listening to the Florida Basketball Hour.